0: You're in the Freedom Hut. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest from Buck at BuckSexton.com.
1: The body cam footage released and we are dealing with what appears to be a, a tragedy in the Minneapolis area in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. And we will talk about that and, and what's likely to happen in the days ahead as, as a result we've already seen riding we've already seen a tremendous amount of of rage on display here and this is already a combustible period as we know uh, I'll, I'll bring up to speed on all that and much more as well as wanted to tell you about how you can have privacy and security when you're online okay this is really important if you're sending emails or searching for something it's not too much to ask for you to actually have some privacy for good reason, you probably assume whatever you type or click on was your own business. Well, it should be, but your devices, your computers, your phones—they weren't built to guarantee that your activity online would be private. You need the right computer software, and now there's something available. Uh, and now there's something available for you called ExpressVPN. And now there's something available for you called ExpressVPN. The term VPN stands for virtual private network. And it's really easy to use. You just download it once to your PC or your mobile phone, and from then on, your device becomes anonymous on the web. Your searches and your emails now have a layer of actual privacy and protection. That's right, real encryption. This keeps hackers sitting in places where public Wi-Fi is available from being able to crack right into your devices and steal your sensitive data. This is a basic security measure you've got to have on your devices. To get ExpressVPN, you go online, go to expressvpn.com/buck plan started about $6 a month with an annual subscription. That's right, expressvpn.com/buck. It'll cover up to 5 different devices. You'll have the convenience of being connected online without concerns about privacy or sec- without concerns about privacy or security, expressvpn.com/buck. Now we've seen what we needed to see to at least have some understanding of what happened over the weekend in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, and there's there's many layers, a lot of things going on here. So let's just first establish the basic facts. And Minneapolis does have or Minnesota uh, and Minneapolis have body cam laws in place. So we do have pretty up close video of exactly what transpired here. You have a young man, Dante Wright, 20 years old, pulled over because he had air fresheners from his in his rear window, which is apparently illegal. Uh, I did not know that. And it's one of those laws that can be enforced. and, And it was in this case. And they pulled him. Two officers pulled him over. And then they found out that he had an outstanding warrant for his arrest. When they went to arrest him, this is all on body cam. You can see the footage. He struggled. He did not want to get out of the car. He did not want to be arrested. He resisted. And then a senior police officer with many, many years on the force, uh, unfortunately, and and it looks quite clear this is what happened, went to pull her taser. She actually yells taser, taser on on video quite clearly. But she pulled her service weapon and she shot uh, she shot Dante Wright during this struggle, thinking that she was shooting him with her taser. And he then drove a little bit off and and died. Now, this seems like a tragic accident. Uh, this is this is absolutely something that needs to be fully investigated. And, and what we could end up seeing here and there should be consequences is what I'm saying. What we could end up seeing here is a situation of involuntary manslaughter. Uh, it was an accident, but the the specific statute how it will govern use of force in this regard clearly this was what they would call in law enforcement a bad shoot this is not the way that this officer was trained it was unintentional uh but that doesn't mean that what clearly one it's a tragedy and and two it doesn't mean that uh this is something that will go without without punishment i mean we have to have law enforcement officers expected you know the same way that if you're driving and you're distracted and you run somebody over and you kill them in your car, you will be held to account for that. It's not the same thing as you know murder one. It's not the same thing as felony murder, but you will be held to account for that, and this officer marry, uh, very well may as, uh, as well. So now there's, there's that aspect of it. It requires uh, full investigation. The officer deserves, it's a female officer, for what I stand, deserves a due process here. But already... The riot and mayhem and destruction machinery is fully underway. Already, we are seeing a circumstance where people have decided, at least on the streets, that the way to to protest what is I mean, it's right on video, folks. You can see it. They released the body cam footage right away. It's it's an awful accident. And there should be consequences. There should be a full investigation. But this was not a cop being a racist, murdering somebody out of some racial animus or anything like that based on what we've seen so far. This was not the system being racist. This is really not all that different from if you know, a law enforcement officer was, uh, was, was in a struggle with somebody. And accidentally discharged his or her firearm and shot the person. I mean, that's really what we're talking about. But that could happen if if you're wrestling with someone or. But in this case, she drew the weapon. It wasn't like it was still holstered and was accidentally discharged in holster. And, And it's it's an awful situation. I understand this. But burning down buildings, looting stores, attacking other cops and saying that all the police are are racist as a as a result of this that is not helpful that's not fair and and i think it's quite clear that's just not true this is one officer making a terrible mistake here and it it does seem to be an accident and i know that to the family of of dante wright and to the people in his community the word accident is going to have some kind of a uh, a, a particularly odious sting to it. And, and I get that. I, I would understand that. But at the end of the day, we do have to separate out criminal culpability, violent acts by or or excessive force by law enforcement due to racism or bias or whatever it may be. And somebody who just made a terrible and tragic mistake. You can see there's uh, it's a well-known video. It's it's on uh, it's on YouTube of a female officer Who had her gun drawn, I believe this was, I don't want to say the state because I'll probably get it wrong, but the female officer gun drawn and the man is the suspect is on his stomach handcuffed and it's broad daylight and she just has her gun drawn and she gets nervous and she had what is an AD, an accidental discharge and the bullet went five inches from the guy's head. Okay, that can happen. Now, she would be responsible if she killed that person who is in custody. She's very lucky that she did not in that circumstance years and years ago. In this circumstance, we are we are not lucky. Um, and the people that want to view police as bad. And we know right now it is a combustible situation nationwide when it comes to law enforcement, but particularly in Minnesota and in the Minneapolis area. You have, in the background of all this, the George Floyd trial going on right now. So you have the most watched and, and the most uh, heated law enforcement use of force trial in, in recent memory going on just a matter of miles, about uh, you know 11 or 12 miles, I believe, from where this incident in Brooklyn Center happened. This is a time when we have to remind ourselves of why it's so important to continue to adhere to principles of nonviolent protest to principles of law and order of support for law enforcement there there is no cop there is no cop out there who is going to say that this was anything other than a a tragic accident you know no, no one thinks that this was an acceptable circumstance or an acceptable outcome Uh, who knows anything about law enforcement this was clearly a it was a mistake in the heat of the moment and it was not not from malice whatsoever using a taser in the circumstances shown in the video would seem to be entirely within the uh the escalation uh the rules for escalation of force obviously if you think you've pulled a taser and you've actually pulled your gun that puts us in a very different circumstance and she's yelling taser because she's been trained and there must have been a part of her muscle memory there must have been a mechanized notion in her brain here that oh she has her taser in her hand and she's yelling taser but tragically it was not so none of this none of this can be or should be used to justify riots Attacking innocent people, destroying their stores, stealing sneakers, and none of this should be used to exert even more pressure on the unrelated George Floyd trial, which right now is happening in Minneapolis with a pretty clear and explicit threat going on of there will be riots if we don't get the outcome we want. The timing of all this is clearly very unfortunate, the timing of, of what has happened in this trial in the broader spectrum, I mean, look, it's an awful tragedy in the first place. And I, I, I feel for I feel for Dante Wright's family. I really I, I can't imagine what that's like. Uh, I also feel for this officer's family. Her life, her life is ru- she's alive, but her life is ruined. Her life is ruined. And I can assure you that there's no part of that female officer in the uh, Brooklyn Center area PD. There's no part of her that that wanted this to be the outcome. A terrible accident, a terrible circumstance playing out here. And, you know, this should be if we lived in a country right now where we could have conversations rooted in respect and shared decency and dignity, we could all say, yeah, this this is this needs a full investigation. The officer deserves all her due process rights. It's clearly a tragedy and. Uh, we, we will see what the what the next steps can be. But that's not the same thing as saying, yes, yeah, see more police racism, more justification for destruction and violence and and rage from the mob. We've seen too much of that already. And you know who suffers the most from it? And this is the, the sad irony of, of all of this with with the BLM movement doing what it does. The people who suffer the most. From the kinds of activism that really ends up being mostly peaceful protests, but that certainly includes riots. The people who suffer the most from all of that are uh, are, are overwhelmingly those who live in high crime neighborhoods, which has a disproportionate effect, uh, a disproportionate number of minorities who live in high crime neighborhoods are the victims of the increase in crime as a result of throwing law enforcement under the bus and acting like one tragic circumstance, one Bad situation like this is somehow symbolic of all law enforcement hundreds of thousands of sworn law enforcement officers across the country that really help hold America together and make this a great place to be make it a great country. Nothing is perfect. No no profession is full of angels. There are mistakes that are made. This one needs to be investigated. It is never a justification for riots, violence and destruction. But I have a feeling we'll see more of that in the days ahead. we were also riots, violence and destruction in Portland over the weekend. Totally unrelated incident. We'll get into that in a second. While there are still buildings destroyed and a lot of tension on the streets in the Minneapolis area, there's also Portland to talk about right now. The Immigrations and Customs Enforcement building in the city of Portland was set on fire over the weekend after what are being described as demonstrators, Antifa gathered outside. Now, this was worse even than you're, you're seeing in most of the news coverage. They tried once again. This is not the first time this has happened. Uh, le- leftists of Antifa gathered together, all dressed in black, head to toe, in their paramilitary garb, tried to blockade the entrance and exits to a federal building, an Immigrations and Customs Enforcement building in Portland, and light it on fire. They did, in fact, light it on fire. They had to put the fire out. Uh, this is arson, and you could you could make a case that as they're as they're doing this, as they're blocking exits and entryways uh, and lighting a building on fire, it's attempted murder. But are you seeing it reported on in that way? Of course not. Because these are people of the left. They are protected by Democrats. They are of the Democrat Party. They're just the most activist wing, if you will. They are the, the paramilitary shock troops of the Democrat Party. They want open borders, just like Democrats. Why do you think they're atta- attacking an ICE facility in Portland? Because their belief is that there shouldn't be any processing or any stopping of people coming across our southern border whatsoever. They seek to undermine our sovereignty as a nation state entirely. And the Democrats are, are helping in this, of course. The Biden administration is largely on board for this, except they have to process them. They realize it looks bad. They want the same end result, which is a de facto open border. But Antifa is saying skip the theatrics with holding people and processing them. Just let them into the United States. Open borders. Why would anarchists understand what open borders does to a country? But Democrats don't. Why would people that want to completely bring about the collapse of our existing government and its replacement with some kind of left wing authoritarian madness? Why would they understand the importance of undermining border security, whereas Democrats seem to still be stuck on, oh, maybe this will just get better if we wait as if they can't figure out the situation. They don't understand what's happening at our southern border. Well, were there any arrests made at this, uh, at this attempted burning down of an ICE? But this is a federal building. I mean, do you realize what would happen to you if you tried to blockade, you know, the, uh, the FBI building in downtown D.C.? You tried to block the exits and, and ran up to the building with a Molotov cocktail? I think we all know how that would end. But the Immigrations and Customs Enforcement building lit on fire no arrests made specific to this. Portland just deployed uh, police in riot gear, who used you know pepper spray and, and rubber bullets and, and dispersed the crowd. But now we're at a place where Democrat leftist cities, these cities are all run by Democrats, are turning into dystopian hellholes. And you know they used to always say, "Oh well, why why are people moving here?" Well, it's because the Democrats took over these cities entirely as they got crazier and crazier. And you used to have no choice. There were a lot of people. I was one of them who for certain jobs and opportunities, you had to be in these cities. But that's changing now. Mobile work could be the death of the Democrat urban enclave over time. because People aren't going to want to deal with this anymore. I mean, I have work and family obligations that for now keep me in D.C. I Keep me in New York, rather, not D.C. I live in New York. Uh, Keep me in New York, but. If, if I had the opportunity to leave, if I could go somewhere else right now, if I could move to Texas, Tennessee or Florida, for example, would I? Absolutely. And I, I'm somebody who used to be a defender of living in New York because I looked at all the pros and cons. But now you're seeing these cities just becoming nightmarish for a lot of people, especially those who live in high crime neighborhoods. But even if you live in what's supposedly a, a nice neighborhood in some of these cities, the crime spills over. You're dealing with it, too. And it hurts business investment. It hurts the overall psychology of being in these places. I mean, you, you could be hearing so much more about the crime, the crime wave of the last 12 months, except they haven't really been able to figure out a narrative of this is not the fault of lax, uh, lax anti-cop, polit- I mean, anti-cop views, lax enforcement of the law as a result of it the BLM movement and this idea that the problem in our society is is we need criminal justice reform. That's going to solve everything. turns out when you have no, no, uh, no bail for people, no cash bail, people just let out right away, go out and reoffend when you have an attitude that you should not uh, punish wrongdoing and protect the innocent that society and not individuals are guilty of committing crimes and therefore we all have to pay the price together things deteriorate very rapidly we are seeing democrats embrace ideas from the 60s and 70s about crime that were uh, refuted by reality they were refuted as a function of the stats and the data and what people saw happening all around them and you had the the enormous movement away from from a lot of cities. Why did the suburbs grow with such tremendous speed over over uh, the, the 70s and the 60s, 70s and in the 80s because people wanted to get out of the cities because New York and Detroit and Washington, D.C. And, you know, name name a major city. Uh, they were dysfunctional messes with far too much crime people don't want to deal with it. Nobody wants to get shot or assaulted or or have their home invaded because of ideas that sound good to people sitting on their couch in Brooklyn Heights or Malibu but actually end up making people less safe because they aren't rooted in reality and they aren't based in common sense. We, we are having a death of common sense in this country right now about law enforcement and law and order, and it is, it is entirely and should be put squarely on the shoulders of the Democrats and the disgusting corporate media. It really does feel like the country is just going crazy sometimes, right? You can't have a, a civil conversation with people. I'm talking about all these law enforcement issues, for example. The stuff that you'll see online, there are people that have just been brainwashed, and when you try to tell them, What any reasonable, rational person would think in response to some of these news stories and what's going on, they just come after you, they scream at you, they say the most horrible things, and and they will even try to find ways to contact you privately or personally. I mean, this happens not just to me as a public figure. It happens to people I know all the time. And given the way that big tech is also shutting down a lot of truth, a lot of honest conversations out there, We need to find places where we can actually exchange ideas as conservatives, say what we want to say, share the thoughts we want to share, and not have crazy trolls and and left wingers infiltrating, intimidating, and undermining everything that's going on. That's why if you want a place where you can do this, you've got to go to caucusroom.com. Caucusroom is a social media network exclusively for conservatives. Caucusroom is an online community for conservatives to gather and engage locally, only real people who are verified conservatives can become Caucus Room members, but Caucus Room will never share your information with anyone ever. The sign-up process ensures you're communicating with real conservatives in your neighborhood, no bots or trolls. It's a great way to get engaged on issues where you can make the biggest difference locally. At Caucus Room, you can participate in live virtual meetings that are so secure the platform played host to over a dozen virtual Republican Party conventions last year. I share news jokes and find lots of ways to... Also, share news, jokes, and find lots of ways to get involved with causes near you without the Silicon Valley overlords stepping all over you. Caucus Room is made by conservatives for conservatives to get organized and make a difference. Join the Buck Sexton listeners group on caucusroom.com. That's C A U C U S R O O M.com. caucusroom.com. caucusroom.com to interact with other listeners just like you. That's caucusroom.com and join the Buck Saxton listeners group today.
0: Well, I would just get back to what the president said even before he was inaugurated, that we need a universal wearing of masks. He said for at least 100 days, it may well go beyond 100 days. Everyone should be wearing a mask. They should avoid congregate settings. They should keep their distance and they should wash their hands as often as possible. We are not out of this yet. We had 80,000 new infections the other day. Now's not the time to declare victory prematurely. We have not won this yet. We will win it, but we haven't won it yet.
1: Shut up, Fauci. I just don't want to hear it anymore. I'm, I'm just done with this guy. Uh, I'm just done with this guy. He... he says the same stuff on TV all the time. Is his job to to be the, the you know, whatever he is, the head of the National, Inst- National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, or is he an MSNBC contributor? I just want to know. What does this guy do? What is the purpose that he serves other than to create this complete fiction of some genius who's always right, who's making all health policy decisions for us? And really what he is is he creates... The illusion for all these different Democrats, they just point to Fauci. He sits there to give them the answers they want. You know, Fauci is. Serving a role here as the make believe, honest broker in our covid policy when he's just a Democrat bureaucrat, that's all the guy is. It's what he's done all along, and he's wrong and wrong and wrong. And I mean, this obsession with masking, we've been masking. And there's also there's no winning. We've lost over, what, 500,000 people at this point to COVID-19. The public, let's be honest about this. If Fauci was a general of an army after the year we've just had and the debacles and the the disasters in COVID policy that they forced on us and the guy would be court-martialed and would be trying to avoid time in Leavenworth, but because he's a health expert, because he's, you know, you know, it, it's premature to declare victory and all this other stuff. He gets away with this routine. This guy's a jackass. How many times do they get to be wrong? How many times will they be wrong? He's saying, you know, we need more. We need more masking. Trust me, 100 days. and going to be another 100 days. Give going to be another 100 days after that. And here he is saying something. I mean, this is just. It's unthinkable. That anybody still believes this clown, that anyone listens to him. I mean, he really needs to be told to go Fauci himself. Here he is, play seven
0: eating and drinking indoors in restaurants and bars, is that okay now? No, it's still not okay for the simple reason that the level of infection, the dynamics of infection in the community are still really disturbingly high. Like just yesterday, there were close to 80,000 new infections, and we've been hanging around 60, 70, 75,000. So if you're not vaccinated, please... Get vaccinated as soon as vaccine becomes available to you. And if you are vaccinated, please remember that you still have to be careful and not get involved in crowded situations, particularly indoors where people are not wearing masks.
1: Is Fauci a vaccine denier? Is he an anti-vaxxer? I mean, think about what he is telling people here. Even after you're vaccinated, you can't go into restaurants and bars, you gotta, gotta be careful, gotta, no, no. I mean, really, Fauci is just, is, he's trash, folks. He's a bad guy, he's a little tyrant. He's a little loser who's really done very little to help anybody in his life, and at the, at the very end, you know, in, in his golden years, this guy is suddenly like the most powerful person in America and in some ways the most powerful person in the world. He's the most famous voice of the lockdowns. And the, avoiding the plateaus with the mitigation measures and all this stuff. Utterly disastrous. Failed at every juncture. But he, he is really like the prophet of a religion. Fauci is now a religious figure for people. They worship this guy. He's a little turd, but they worship him. Everything he says, what he says is idiotic and people just it's amazing. I go on social media because, you know, I've people are finally starting to figure out how bad Fauci is. There's some kind of wishy-washy, weak, conservative types in the media who have been like, oh, I, I believe the science, too. Well, is a Fauci. And even they're like, wow, this guy actually is awful. Uh, there are people. It's amazing to see what they'll say. They'll, they'll make these excuses like, oh, it's really complicated. Why are you Monday morning quarterbacking? Monday morning quarterbacking. Fauci for the last year has been saying, you know, here's the playbook. Do exactly what I say. Don't he- I don't want to hear it. No questions. We're going to win if we do this. And every time we do it, we fumble the ball. They run it back for a touchdown. And we come back and say, hold on a second, Fauci. The last time we did what you said, we fumbled, we lost, you know, they, they ran it up to score seven points. We're supposed to listen to you. Why? This, you know, shut up. Do what I tell you. After a year of this, people should be saying, why do we listen to this moron? Why? You're not safe to go into restaurants after you're vaccinated? This is what he's saying. Want to know what else they're wrong on? Oh, there's so many things. So many things. I'll ask you this question. Can you get COVID from touching stuff? The CDC is an abomination of bureaucratic wrongness. It's a true statement. It's also the title of a piece right now up on BuckSexton.com where I want you to go check it out. You can also always listen to the podcast. At com, There's a player right at the top of the page. Just go to pucksexton.com. And uh, please also, if you ever want to share the show with somebody, just share that link. It's say, hey, just press play at the top. You'll be able to listen. The best thing you can do, though, is to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to the Buck Sexton show. And you can do that on the iHeartRadio app. You can do it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, go check it out. Now, why am I saying the CDC is an abomination of bureaucratic wrongness? It's true. But let me give you the, the reasons why, right? The reasons why this place is such a mess. You will recall early on in this pandemic, you'll recall we were told things about, and all these news stories, the panic porn was everywhere about the longevity of COVID virus on what are called fomites or inanimate objects where you could have virus contamination, tables, walls, desks, door handles, whatever it may be, right? It's surface contamination. And we were led to believe, depending on the day and the news source, that we we had to be constantly scrubbing and cleaning and doing all this stuff. And and it, to me it just seemed like forcing so much of America to engage in OCD-like ritual cleansing. And and, and there's there was no reason to believe that this was really going to bring down the virus dramatically it just didn't make any sense and yet they they were they were paranoid about it and they decided that this was the policy and it wasn't a minor thing i know people who were wiping down their groceries with lysol wipes i know people who were afraid to touch anything once they left their apartment you know remember it was all oh we can't shake can gotta touch elbows gotta you know gotta touch this touch that the whole thing it got so crazy, you, you will probably recall that early on in the pandemic, New York City was shutting down the subway at night to do a deep clean of the, subway, of the subway cars. I mean, this is the biggest subway in America, and they were shutting it down at night so they could clean all the cars for what turns out no good reason whatsoever. Schools would have to shut down offices would have to shut down for a deep cleaning this was the this was the conventional wisdom this was part of what i call the fauciite consensus and this probably will not surprise any of you because you listen to this show it was wrong 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 as i say how many times would you trust a stockbroker who lost money on every trade would you go in for a second surgery with a doctor who had operated on the wrong leg? Most jobs have some form of accountability in them if you screw up their consequences. Not the Centers for Disease Control. Turns out, and this is, this is my, my bottom line for you all, there's basically zero risk of, of COVID transmission from surfaces. Now, before the fact checkers come at me, I have cited here the actual CDC press release on the most recent studies. And remember, People act like the CDC, it's gospel. It is the unchangeable wisdom of the science. Turns out that they're interpreting studies. they are often multiple studies, incomplete studies, conflicting ones, and they're just giving you their best assessment. The conflation of fact with analysis by the CDC all along has been abominable. It has been awful. And we see yet another instance of this. The findings of these studies though this is from the CDC release from last week. The risk of COVID infection, SARS-CoV-2 infection uh, via fomite transmission route is low and generally less than one in 10,000, which means that each contact with a contaminated surface has a less than one in 10,000 chance of causing an infection. One in 10,000, that's. If you touch something that is directly infected by somebody with COVID, if you are going to walk around. But that's an estimate, too. Let's remember that if you are going to walk around worried about one in 10,000 possibilities, you will never leave your house. You will never go outside. You'll never do anything. Don't you see now what I've been saying all along about how they've destroyed our ability to be adults? who manage health risks and make our own decisions. They destroyed it. They have collectivized all of it. They have shut down the public's critical faculties around viruses and around what's actually healthy and good for us, right? They were shutting down, remember when they were shutting down playgrounds and parks? They have, an, they have outdoor mask mandates in places, folks. There is still, to this day, no proof No evidence that outdoor transmission of COVID is a real risk. But notice I keep having to say real risk because what they've done is they've changed the parameters. One in 10,000, oh, you can't say no risk. One in 50,000, can't say no risk. At what point is it too absurd? At what point is me saying when something is a one in a million risk, zero, therefore we do not have to take this into consideration anymore. At what point do they have to concede that? See what they've done all along here is taken very very slim odds when they want to, and use them to make you do things you shouldn't have to do, and they've even taken very very strong, very very high odds and ignored them, right? So you have a one in ten thousand chance. Now, granted, they're not telling you don't wash anything or don't do. Oh no no, still hand washing is very important, and you still have to wash this and that. They they just they present this evidence before it comes out from the studies so that people can. Pretend the CDC is an honest broker in all of this and not covering, uh, you know, doing a lot of CYA at the CDC. But you can't live your life this way. You can't live your life going around worried about one in 10,000, one in 50,000, one in a million health risks. I mean, you'll, you'll never do anything. You'll just live in a bubble and have someone, you know, give you give you a uh, boiled mush to eat every day. I mean, it's crazy. But outdoor transmission, uh, I I was fact fact checked by a bunch of left wing hacks that Facebook hires to outsource their suppression and be on behalf of the crybaby Democrat mindset. Uh, But I was fact checked on saying that outdoor mask wearing is stupid. I'm right. Outdoor mask wearing is scientifically and from a risk basis, a stupid policy. But still have them in Michigan. Indoor and outdoor mask mandates. I'm just wondering, how's that working out for Michigan? Texas gets rid of its mask mandate, and a month later, it's doing just fine. And and all businesses open, 100% capacity. Everything is open. Michigan has indoor and outdoor mask mandates. You know, it's like here in New York where I still have to be the moron alone in the gym on the treadmill with a mask on because, God forbid... The manager sees me without a mask alone in a big open space on a treadmill trying to work off some of the covid LBs I put on from not being able to work out, not being able to go anywhere. And and they're going to freak out and, and act like I'm a murderer. How dare you breathe fresh air? This is a madness. This is a mass hysteria. We have to fight back against this because they're not just going to let it go away. They're not just going to say, "Okay, fine, you're right. Maybe we were a little too. No, No, they're going to continue to push. Here is Gretchen Whitmer or perhaps, as we should call her, Gretchen Halfwit, uh, who is the governor of Michigan and telling everybody about why. I mean, they've had nine out of the 10 urban areas of the country. I don't even know there were nine urban areas to speak of in Michigan, but that's what I'm reading in the news. Nine out. So I guess they're including Grand Rapids and places like that with the highest covid spread in the country right now. Nine out of 10 are in the state of Michigan. Michigan's had a huge spike in cases and with it, a a major increase in hospitalizations and everything else. And yet Michigan's so strict. Governor Whitmer, she listens to Dr. Fauci. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Don't you know she listens to the Fauci? Oh, she's a Fauci believer. Sure. Oh, sure. She is. Play six. I'm sorry. Play uh, Whitmer eight.
2: Well, let me start by saying this. You know, we did not have a national strategy for a long period of time. And then the Biden White House came in and we have one. And by and large, it's working, and they're doing a great job. I would submit, though, that in an undertaking of this magnitude with such consequence, it's important to recognize where there might need to be some adjustments along the way. We are seeing a surge in Michigan, despite the fact that we have some of the strongest policies in place, mask mandates, capacity limits, working from home. We've asked our state for a two week pause. So despite all of that, we are seeing a surge because of these variants. And that's precisely why we're really um, encouraging them to think about surging vaccines into the state of Michigan. And I'm going to continue
1: to fight for the people. That's fantasy land stuff. They have all these strict managed lockdown wit Whitmer has all these super strong policies in place and they're failing. That's what's actually happening. The variants exist all over the country, all over the world. In fact, the variants, right? Just spewing the Fauci talking points here. You have states that are open. You have states that are locked down. Some lockdown states like Michigan are doing not. it's, It's not that they're doing a little worse. They're doing much worse. But they're terrified. You know what they're terrified of? Elections coming up because people are actually starting to realize, hold on a second. You put us through all this misery and pain and destruction with these lockdowns. For what exactly? One of the only parts about all this remote work is that it's certainly shown people how effective and efficient they can be not in the office and also having people that are essentially taking on tasks for their business who are remote. And and as you know, when running a business, HR issues can kill you. I mean, there are wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and HR managers aren't cheap. And we're talking salaries in the $70,000 a year range. But that's why I want you, if you're a small business owner, if you're working for a company that has an HR department, try Bambi. That's B-A-M-B-E-E was created specifically for small business. They'll give you a dedicated HR manager who can craft HR policy, maintain your compliance, and all for just $99 a month. That's right, $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from a huge liability to a major strength of your organization. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding determinations, they customize your policies to fit your business. And they help you manage your employees day-to-day, all for just $99 a month. Month-to-month, no hidden fees, and cancel anytime. Go to Bambi.com slash buck right now. That's right, Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E, .com slash buck right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash buck. And I'm telling you, once you set up this service, You'll never go back to anything else because it's so efficient, so effective. It's going to save you so much time, hassle, and money for your business. Bambi.com slash buck.
3: This is the only time that I have a platform to say something. <clears throat> and I've had something on my mind. It's affected me and a lot of people that I love. And I'm going to take a lot of criticism for saying what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyways because I feel it needs to be said. I was driving by elementary school the other day and i seen all these kids outside, they're trying to play on the playground, they're trying to run around, they're trying to swing on the monkey bars, go down the slide and wrestle and, and play tag. And they all got masks on. And I see them out there, some of them taking their mask off so they can breathe fresh air. They get fresh air in their lungs when they take the mask off. And then you got a teacher walking around pointing at them saying, oh, put your mask on, put your mask on, put your mask on. And that makes me sick that these kids can't get fresh air and they're eight hours a day, they're sitting six feet apart from each other and they can't they can't breathe fresh air. I don't agree with that. And I just want to tell Asa Hutchinson, I think you need to have a little bit of backbone because we did not vote for none of that. There was no vote that said, we want our kids in masks, we want to wear masks, we want our businesses shut down, we want our restaurants at half capacity, we want our gyms at half capacity. And I just don't know who he thinks he is telling us that we have to shut down our businesses or... Shut our businesses to half capacity without a vote.
1: I love this UFC fighter, Bryce Mitchell. Man, this guy, amen. I, I gotta. Where are the other folks out there in this country with platforms? Where are the people that can that can reach those who aren't you know listening to you know political podcasts and things like that every day and watching you know TV new cable news? Speak out on this stuff, and please. You know, the the, the tyranny is out of control. And well, I guess tyranny seeks to control all of us. But you know what I mean? This tyranny is just oppressive beyond words. And and he's giving a great example of just uh, you're observing this. Bryce Mitchell is saying he's observing this, that there are kids outside trying to get, you know, some time outdoors and and in the fresh air. And not only are they being told they have to mask up, they got a teacher running around telling them to pull their mask up. It's Instead of like mask up between bites, it's, you know, mask up between up and down on the seesaw or something. It's idiotic, absolutely idiotic. But you have all these people who just don't want to believe that they're morons who have believed everything that Fauci has said, or they're just terrified. I mean, that's the thing. When you're really scared, your brain doesn't work as well. And I think people don't really have an understanding of this. I mean, I remember when I was in the CIA, I remember I was at the farm. One of the things we did for for training. Uh, You know, training so people could just understand it was they would do we would do things on a timed basis under pressure. And we even I remember we had these goggles where we would try to you try to like uh open a door or load a magazine into a handgun or something because they, they distorted your vision just to give you a sense of what it's like when your heart is pounding and when you actually have to be. You know, doing so you have to make decisions you have to think when you're scared when your heart's pounding when your adrenaline's up it's same thing when I was the NYPD this kind of stuff we talk about this you know someone comes within 20 feet you think you're going to draw your sidearm and you're going to be able to you know to to take them down because that's what you can do standing on a line at, at a range and you got all you know you're setting it up and you just had a granola bar and you got your shooter glasses on you look all cool that's one thing Somebody who is trying to catch you off guard and run at you with a sharpened screwdriver, when all you're thinking about is how you don't want to have to kill anybody and you just want to get home to your wife and kid. Very different feeling, very different situation to, to, draw your, to draw your service weapon and defend yourself with it, right? All of a sudden, your hand gets a little shaky. Fear brings about a physical impo- uh, a physical changes. Fear brings about psychological changes. People have been so scared and they just turn to whomever tells them that they'll provide them with safety, no matter how stupid, tyrannical or absurd the guidance is. But the other side of it is now that people are having a little bit more that there's there's a little bit more willingness, I think, to see this for what it is. And there has been in at least some time. Nobody wants to believe that they were fooled. Nobody wants to believe that they were one of the cowards on this issue, right? And, and that, that creates a very difficult dynamic because you have all these people that react very negatively to me telling them that they should have their freedom back. Not until Fauci said so, because that's what the smart people do. I mean, there is no greater proof of lockdownerism as mass hysteria than all the people who are flaunting their refusal to lead normal lives after getting a vaccination that is 95% effective against a virus with a baseline 99% plus survival rate. If that is not safe enough, there's no such thing. I mean, that's really the key phrase here. Everyone has to understand this. If we cannot accept that you are safe after vaccination, you are never safe. It never works. Because you there's always going to there's going to be people who don't get vaccinated. There's going to be people who, you know, uh, there's there's always going to be some excuse for why. Well, we're still under threat. We're still under threat. It's unreasonable. Right. But they're taking outliers and an unreasonable position and using it as the justification for all this theory. I mean, I I've started to see this more and more. They talk about the variants. You're also seeing uh, that there may be a need for booster shots. Now, how long does immunity last Right. Here's what I can tell you. The notion of immunity lasting in general for 90 days, which I've seen someplace, that's just antibodies. That's not T cell immunity. That's not true for other viruses and other things out there. You you have immunity. You should be immune for a long time. And there's partial immunity, too. So we're just going to have to accept at some point that once you've either had this or been vaccinated, uh, there is no reasonable basis, no reasonable justification or making you continue to live your life under this cloud of constant fear. But booster shots every six months, they're they're preparing, get ready for it. They're preparing to tell you that this is going to become what's known as endemic disease. All right, we go back to the beginnings here. Pandemic is all of the people. It's a, that's a disease that's spread everywhere. Endemic is within the population, right? Within the people which means that it just exists and it continues to exist and it spreads. The flu, for example, is endemic in our society, although this year the flu basically disappeared. And I've still not heard a single real explanation as to how the, the measures, the mitigation measures against the flu are 99% effective, but it seems 1% effective based on uh, CDC's own data on, say, masking and social distancing. Uh, mandates, 1% effective against the uh, COVID virus. That's very interesting, isn't it? They're both viruses. They're very, very small. They transmit in the same way as far as we know. But, uh, friends, they're gearing up to create the forever health bureaucracy, health autocracy, really, that's going to be able to tell you, you know, what you can do, where you can go. And, yeah, there might be a seasonality to it, but oh, once we start saying there's variants and booster shots and all this stuff, then it just becomes the new normal. There is no normal to go back to because our normal is every time there's a respiratory virus season, you got to mask up, you got a social distance, you know, which means every year. And you're going to have this massive bureaucracy of people who are out there pretending to save you by putting you through all this nonsense and all this stupidity. You know, I, I went out to, uh, to dinner uh, on Saturday in, in New York. And the stuff, I mean, I got to tell you, the, the stuff that I was made to do, I had to go take my temperature. I had to put a mask on to walk to the hostess stand. Then I sit down and then I stood up to go to the bathroom. I had to put my mask back on after taking it off. When I sit down, there's some plexiglass divider next to me as if that's really going to, to do anything. Uh, the, the whole thing is its we've gotten so far away from a rational approach to this. And the people who have brought us to this point, they will never admit the stupidity. They will never admit the downsides, the losses. So just get ready for it. You know, masks and lockdowns and mandates work so well that they never work and we're told to shut up and just do what we're told. Did you really think that if I believed that these things that Fauci and others were telling us to, had been telling us to do up to this point, do you really think that that if, if I believe that it was really effective? I mean, a lot of you disagree with me. I think that vaccines for at risk for at risk people are a good idea. I do not believe in any mandatory vaccination over COVID, um, and I, I think that people are seeing that there are side effects to this. and I've talked to people who have had some pretty nasty side effects. I've already had the virus. Is is it reasonable to expect that me as a as a uh, as a COVID, uh, you know, I don't know, survivors the right term, whatever we call it, somebody who's had COVID? Uh, has beaten COVID. I have to get the vaccine. That's reasonable. No, I find that entirely unreasonable, but I want to be able to live my life and continue my work and travel and do things. So am I going to have to bend the knee to the state on this? This fight is nowhere near over. Fauci's going to keep dragging you along with it, just, just a little longer, just a little longer, just a little longer. I assure you, and if you listen to the show, you know, how much have I been right? How much has Fauci been right? On predictions, on trends, I assure you that Dr. Fauci into the fall of this year will still be saying just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. And there'll be people saying, listen to Fauci. He has led us to the promised land. He knows what to do. They're wrong and it's sad and it's really annoying. People never want to believe it. They were the ones who were fooled. And so that's the greatest protection that the lockdown apparatus has.
4: It's going to create 19 million jobs. And we're talking about economic growth that's going to go on for years and years. But it turns out the study you're citing from Moody's Analytics says the economy will add 16.3 million jobs without the infrastructure bill and 2.7 million more with it. So it doesn't, as you said last Sunday, create 19 million jobs. Again, Secretary Buttigieg, why mislead folks? Well, you're right. I should have been more precise. The 19 million jobs that will be created are more than the jobs that will be created if we don't do the plan. And it's very important to make this point.
1: That's also called lying. Right? It's, I, I should have been more precise. No, what you said was clearly meant to deceive. It's also lying. Right? If, if I tell you, um, if I tell you that I'm going to hire you at, at my company. And I'm going to give you a, a raise of, of $50,000, $50, right? I'm going to give you a $50,000 raise. And, and it turns out that I'm actually uh, just going to pay you what you were paid before. Let's say you're making $45,000. I say, oh, I'm going to give you a $50,000 raise. And it turns out, no, I'm just going to pay you the $45,000 $5,000. That's a $5,000 raise. That's not a $50,000 raise. So I don't get to say that that's a raise, right? I, if, if I'm being honest, I'd say it's a, it's a $5,000 raise, not 50. What what Judge did here is how many jobs will the American economy create over the next 10 years and use that number as though it is directly the result of and attributable to the uh, Green New Deal nonsense that's being peddled uh, by the Democrats right now. That's the whole game. That's the whole thing, right? So you see, this, this is just Judge lying about this because there's a lot of, of effort right now to push this package, and they don't want people really thinking about it. They don't want people to understand what's really going to be in this because it's a Democrat wish list. This is what they do. They have these mega bills where they're where everyone gets their piece of the pie on on the Democrat left and all the corporate interest and everybody gets what they want. And then they turn around and they say, hey, uh, we're doing this for infrastructure or we're doing this for covid relief. It's it's a very dishonest thing that they're up to. It's a very dishonest thing that they're doing. But unfortunately, it works. And then uh Pope Pete Buttigieg loves to talk about religious community. I mean this guy clearly has a thing about about uh traditional Christians. I mean that that I think is very obvious. He used to remember all the lectures he gave during the Democrat primary about what the Bible really says. This guy was running for president very unsuccessfully, I might add. Uh but you know, he's he's just so smarmy about religious people all the time it's it's really noticeable play nine you know,
4: sometimes I've I've heard uh, people people I care about saying, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, if uh, uh, you know I'm, I'm faithful, God's going to take care of me. And I guess what I would hope they might consider is that maybe a vaccine is part of God's plan for how you're going to take care of yourself. In, in the end, I have to admit that it's unlikely that that an official like me is going to be persuasive uh, to somebody who maybe <clears throat> doesn't feel like Washington's been speaking to them for a long time. Uh, but this is where faith leaders can make such uh, a difference, pastors. Uh, I mean, the very word pastor, the idea of pastoral care is about supporting those uh, who look to you for guidance. And usually we think of that in a spiritual sense, but uh, sometimes that could also just be true for health. And so I hope anybody who is looking after a, a community of people, uh, uh, including a faith community, will consider ways to help guide them towards steps that can protect them and protect those around them.
1: Yeah, he wants he wants your your church to be a part of the whole Lockdown madness, too, you see, of, of course, that's all. But you, you understand that, right, that, that what they really want here is the vaccine. It's not even just about the vaccine. It's about everything. The lockdown state becomes semi becomes permanent uh, in part through religious leaders taking this up. And, you know, the Supreme Court just and a five four decision. For the fifth time. Slap down the state of California because California keeps doing this thing where Costco has one set of rules, but church has another. And this time it was for private religious, you know, religious gatherings in private homes. And they said, well, that's different because it's a private home versus a commercial establishment. It's still the free exercise of religion, folks. It's still people gathering to celebrate their uh, religious faith. And if you can get, you know, certain indoor access To a sneaker store, you should have those same rules. If it's about safety, you know, indoors to buy sneakers in California shouldn't get any preference over indoor to worship God. But you know, you know who bailed on us again on this one? John Roberts. I mean, John Roberts on the Supreme Court is really about as conservative as the Lincoln Project. I mean, this guy needs to go. I wish he would step down. Another vestige of the of the pure failures of the bush era in american politics. And John Roberts is is awful. You know, he's on, on the big stuff when it really matters, when the heat is really on, John Roberts does what the left wants him to. And he does it under this justification that oh, it's about, you know, protecting the perception of the court or whatever. Give me a break. The guy's a coward who wants other people in his profession to think well of him, so he sells out principle every time it really matters. There is absolutely no reason for outdoor or indoor church services or synagogue or mosque or whatever, any religious service, there's no reason for it to be discriminated against in comparison to commercial activities by the state. That is unacceptable if that is not a violation of first amendment rights what is when it comes to the free exercise clause but it just goes through. i mean california the regime in california of gavin newsom is a godless authoritarian marxist state at its core coming up here in a second we've got andy no who is the expert on antifa and just the anarchist madness that's uh, still underway under this Biden administration. And, you know, the big tech and also big media doesn't really want to cover what's going on with all that stuff. So we're going to have Andy No joining us here, He's going to talk to us about exactly what happened in Portland over the weekend and what we can expect to happen going forward, given that the Democrats, the left, they don't want to tackle this issue. But, you know, technology in general does make life easier. But there's often a price to pay in terms of your privacy. We experience this with computers, smartphones, all the devices in our homes. Computers may provide the best example of the information you can access, what you create and choose to share in your work environment. It's endless. It becomes your private workspace no matter where you are. ExpressVPN is a company that's made your online privacy and protection their priority. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. It's a way for you to create an additional layer of privacy with everything you're doing online on the internet. If you're making a purchase, there's a new level of privacy and data protection that goes with using the ExpressVPN service. If you're sending an email, same thing. It's similar to the notion of protecting your cell phone number from showing up when you make a call. Just imagine a pipe that contains the connection you have on the Internet from your computer to the web and where you're going on the web. Your connection is the only thing in that pipe, and no one but you can see into it. ExpressVPN is what the service is called. And this level of privacy and protection is not expensive. It's less than $6 a month. It protects five devices, including your computer. I'll tell you where this really comes in handy, and that's when you're using public Wi-Fi. That alone is worth it. If you're ever spending any time in places where you want to use public Wi-Fi, you need ExpressVPN to protect your data and keep things private. Sign up online now at expressvpn.com. buck That's expressvpn. Dot com slash buck that alone will get you three months of free service with an annual plan ExpressVPN.com slash buck some antifa madness in portland over the weekend attacking an ice facility lit on fire what is going on here we've got the man who knows more about this and pretty much anyone else you're going to find andy no he's an investigative Journalist and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Unmasked, all about Antifa. Andy, great to have you. Thank you. All right, Andy. I mean, I, I saw the headlines. I thought of you right away. They had Antifa uh, insurgents in gas masks waving black umbrellas. They torched an ice building. Police had to deploy. What the heck is going on here?
5: Yeah, if only it was in the headlines, the, the sad truth is that these type of insurrectionary behaviors have been going on since last year in Portland, and it's treated as routine by both the local press and, of course, the national mainstream press. Uh, last night was another act of uh, terrorism, in my opinion, in that the Antifa gathered outside the local Immigrations and Customs Enforcement facility and barricaded the front Uh, so that the officers and people inside could not get out. And then they set the debris and plywood that they had piled on there on fire. So they set the building on fire and the officers had to rush out from the back to extinguish uh, the flames and to disperse uh, the rioters. I mean, people could have died. Uh, This is what Antifa were doing last year to the courthouses and uh, police stations in Portland. Uh, that was never described as an insurrection or as terrorist attacks, even though that's what they were. Um, last night, nobody was arrested, as far as I know, which, again, is uh, the norm for Portland. This is uh, Portland is what happens when uh, law and order breaks down and law enforcement don't have the resources or the uh, political support to respond these extremists feel empowered to not just vandalize but actually try to kill people and actually they have killed people such as Michael Reinald, one of their shooters did last year to a trump supporter
1: Andy I just want everyone to be very clear on this what we're seeing here what we're talking about is a a mob of antifa barricading the exits and try and lighting a federal Law enforcement facility, which falls under the Department of Homeland Security, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. They, tr- they they set it on fire and then the fire had to be put out. And you're telling me there were no arrests made. No arrests. I just it, it seems to me like that's that's not possible. How, how could the federal government allow this? I and mean, how could federal law enforcement agencies not say that this I mean, this is felony arson?
5: yeah you know when these um types of arson attacks and um just general terror attacks that were happening on federal property last year i thought that after some time that you would start hearing about all these federal indictments given uh time for investigations to be carried out even as uh around 100 people were charged federally for their alleged roles in violent extremist behavior last year uh around half of them have had their charges dismissed and the few who did plead guilty uh, were only given probation and all that so uh, you know when you kind of compare the differences in how left-wing extremism is treated to right-wing extremism in the u.s by federal investigators and federal prosecutors um i'm worried i mean you know the 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 rule of law has legitimacy, and only so that um, people view it as being impartial and fair and justice being blind. But uh, I think we've, we've seen, I mean, not just in the federal examples, you can see most clearly in, in local examples where BLM and anti extremists can carry out terrorist attacks with impunity and get their charges dropped.
1: Andy, what is it with with Immigrations and Customs Enforcement specifically being targeted here? I mean, is Antifa are are they an open borders advocacy group?
5: They are because they don't recognize the United States as a real state, as a legitimate state. They don't recognize even the concept of nation states. They want to destroy that. That's what their ideology calls for. So you will hear frequently at their chance. and watches, and you'll hear this by BLM too, is um, they say no um, no borders, no wall, no USA at all. And that's what they, they really mean. So symbolically, when they're attacking these ICE facilities and trying to burn them down and or hurt um, ICE agents, it's because they don't want there to be a border in the U.S. They want to, um, they know about all the, Issues that come with having an open border, you know, instability, drugs pouring in, criminals and all that. And that's actually what they want, overturn and destroy the
1: U.S. We're speaking to Andy Noe, who is an investigative journalist and author of the New York Times bestseller, Unmasked, which you should absolutely pip, uh, pick up a copy of. Andy, you know, you, you and I have talked about this many times before, but one thing that, that comes up often is, is that we refer to Antifa in media, jo- journalists generally refer to them, when they refer to them at all or if they're asked a question or if they want to get into this as being uh, Democrats or or even, let's say, on Fox News, people often refer to Antifa as Biden voters. I mean, I think BLM is predominantly Biden voters, but Antifa seems to be something that is on the left but is different, certainly, than your uh, than your standard Democrat base voter But why is it then? I mean, assuming there is some they're on the left, they're certainly more comfortable with with Democrats and with Biden than they are with Trump. Uh, Why is it that there's so much sympathy given to them, clearly from whether it's Mayor Ted Wheeler in Portland or just law enforcement on on the scene and and the and the, the powers that be that law enforcement has to respond to in the state of Oregon? Why do they get this special treatment if they're not actually the Democrats shock troops, as is often said? I think
5: most mainstream Democrats and left-wing people recognize that Antifa is the far the far left fringe of the left, and that these are annexed communists who don't uh, are not Democrat supporters. However, the propaganda that's been uh, coming from Antifa and their sympathizers for years on end now about them being a movement against anti against fascism, against racism, and for social justice. There's been buy-in from that by the mainstream left, and you see it in the the media coverage in their activities. I mean, you can see, for example, even when they commit arson and attacks and all that, it's described as a mostly peaceful gathering. These type of lies, um, either through ignorance or people's um, own decision to keep themselves um, fooled, uh, I think is what's keeping democrats by and large um hesitant to come out critically against antifa
1: it seems to me that this is another and we're speaking to andy no investigative journalist author of the new york times bestseller Unmasked. andy that, that this is a circumstance where it's just going to continue on until they finally cross some line i mean i, I don't know what that would even be at this point they burned down a federal building and And kill, you know, a dozen federal officers or something. What 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 is it going to take for there to be concerted action against this group based on your study of them and what you see from the political and law enforcement response?
5: Well, in 2019, when Willem van response in Tacoma, Washington, came armed with a rifle and homemade IEDs and throwing them at the ice facility there before getting him killed he was trying to blow up a 500 gallon propane tank. Uh, I thought after that 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 would have launched some more serious efforts by federal authorities, particularly um, terrorism investigators, to crack down on Antifa and Antifa linked groups. That didn't happen. Uh, I thought when Connor Betts in Ohio in 2019. Killed many people in a mass shooting, uh, that it would have launched something it didn't. Uh, I thought when Michael Rhino shot and killed a Trump supporter, it would lead to something it doesn't. So I don't know what it will take, uh, unfortunately, at this point. I'm feeling pretty, uh, a bit hopeless, really. And, you know, it's no secret how politicized these federal agencies actually are. And it, it makes me wonder. Um, yeah, you know, it, it just brings, it calls the whole legitimacy of all these agencies into question. And and I, I don't like disparaging them because they play an important role, but um, they're not legit, legitimate if they are not um, being pursued by blind
1: justice. Speaking to Andy no, go check out his book uh, Unmasked, which is a New York Times bestseller. And Andy, just before we let you go, Portland, according to the numbers that I see here, in the pandemic year had more than double an increase in shootings from uh, around 400 to uh, a a little over 900. Well, well, this seems to me like law enforcement must just feel like they're completely left high and dry by political leadership there.
5: Yes. So Portland is experiencing record numbers of homicides and shootings ever since the BLM inspired riots broke out last year. And part of the reason, there's several reasons, but I think one of the biggest one is that um, the local politicians, the mayor and those in city council chose to abolish the gun violence reduction team and their justification for doing so is they said that that that, um, team within the Portland police is racist. And now as a result of that decision, we are having record numbers of dead people, most of them black, uh, this is a consequence of their decision. This is what so-called social justice leads us to. It leads us to rumble. and leads us to people being killed. And I'm not sure what it will take to for people to wake up. You would think that riots that result in dozens of deaths, as it happened last year, would cause people to question this whole narrative around uh, BLM's social justice agenda, but it hasn't. And they're kind of... Waiting and anticipating, it seems, for riots to break out um, when um, the trial is concluded for Derek Chauvin. So I think America is going to experience a whole nother round of political violence this year.
1: Investigative journalist Andy No. Andy, thank you so much for your work on this and appreciate you joining us. You stay safe. Thank you.
6: To suggest, or to not suggest, to assert as a matter of fact, That Publix was rewarded with exclusive rights in Palm Beach County uh, is something that even the dimmest bulb in the New York corporate media constellation would have been able to realize that was false. You literally take 10 minutes to make a few phone calls. 60 Minutes was in Florida for three months trying to dig up dirt. And you know, Jared and I were talking about it's like, okay, they wanted to smear Florida, they wanted to smear our vaccination effort, they obviously wanted to smear me, they spent three months, and the best they could come up with is a half-baked conspiracy theory that literally is readily debunked uh, by talking to like two people. Uh, So I think that that means we probably did a pretty good job. Because if we had done a really bad job, they would have actually had facts that they could have relied on to try to to do the hit piece. So no exclusivity. That was obvious. I said it in my press conference. They edited it out and they refused to put it on the air, but they kept the lie on the air. That's intentional. That is malicious.
1: Isn't it great to have a prominent Republican who just calls it like he sees it just speaks the truth? and goes after the phonies, the frauds in the corporate media, at the very pinnacle, really, of corporate media. I mean, 60 Minutes is, ooh, 60 Minutes is very uh, hallowed in the world of journalism. And it was a a total, not just a hit piece, a smear piece. The whole thing was a lie. And they're standing behind it because what else are they going to say? Yeah, we just, we're a bunch of lib journos and we lie and we're frauds and, and we try to take him down. We thought we'd get away with it. And we didn't Now They're never going to say that. So what do they do? Yes, yeah, we, we stand behind our reporting. Yeah, sure they do. We need more Republicans like DeSantis. Got to speak out. Got to say exactly what's going on. I also think we need to note that the media is very all along has very clearly been rooting against the success of freedom focused um, COVID measures. Or, or the attempt to balance greater freedom. Whenever somebody says, hold on, I want to give people more liberty, I, I want a less extreme lockdown, the media always pushes again. They always hate that. They root for it to fail. Think about that. They're rooting for less painful measures for society. They're rooting for them to fail, and even willing to lie about them failing to convince people That it's not the right approach. This is the mentality of our corporate media. This is the kind of stuff that they're willing to do and have been doing all along. And it's just brilliant for Governor DeSantis to crush them. And I hope he keeps going with it. And look, Ron DeSantis, if he stays in this trajectory, Ron DeSantis is going to be president in four years. I'm just telling you. If, If he can keep... Now, that four years is a long time, and I know there's a lot of... But he's... Got the backing of the Trump world people without being a Trumper per se. So he he has he has their support, but he doesn't have some of the the same challenges and baggage. If we're just gonna be honest about this, okay, that's the truth. And and I think the president President Trump could view him as a very good next you know carrier of the MAGA torch. And DeSantis has the governing experience, and and not just experience, but showing the results the results that would encourage people. I mean, isn't that, instead of relying on the media to convince you whether a politician's a nice guy or a good person or something, uh, isn't it better to see what they do, what they what they accomplish? I mean, I think I've, I've got some consistency on this, and people get mad at me for saying it. This is not a popular thing to say among conservatives, but it's the truth, and that is that Governor, I'm sorry, uh, Mayor uh, Michael Bloomberg, who is a Democrat and a man of the left, uh, but a capitalist, clearly, I mean, the guy's worth tens of billions of dollars. But but Michael Bloomberg deserves credit for when he was the mayor of America's largest city, keeping in place the Giuliani crime policies, keeping keeping in place the, the apparatus of the NYPD as it was functioning in a way that kept the city safe and secure and crime at low levels. I, I don't care what someone's politics are on it on specific issues i mean when i say politics i don't care what their party affiliation is if they get it done right if they actually show results and you know with governor ron desantis he's in a position to show that F- florida is is the hottest state in the. i don't mean temperature wise obviously it's the hottest state in the country to move to right now it's it's become a beacon of freedom and 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 i i know folks you know listening and. uh parts of the country like like Tampa and, and Miami and the whole southeastern corridor of, of Florida already know this, but the flight of New Yorkers and Californians down there uh, is just, it, but it's people voting with their feet and independents and people that are up for grabs as voters when the time comes nationwide, they can see this too. And reasonable people will say, maybe a guy who gets it done is better than buffoonish puppet Joe Biden. Will COVID hysterics ever let our children live normal lives? The headline up on the New York Post right now in the editorial column from Carol Markowitz, who is a columnist for the New York Post. Carol, great to have you on.
2: Hi, Buck. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Here's what you write. The end of the pandemic is nigh. Americans continue to get vaccinated at a rapid clip. Life will be moving on. Except it seems for children for more than a year they've suffered from irrational, unscientific, and downright superstitious policies inflicted upon them by adults and there is no end in sight. Carol, tell us about what's going on here and why there's no end in sight.
2: So the idea is hopefully as more of us get vaccinated we will move towards sanity which will include removing our masks and living our normal lives and i know that there's a lot of pushback even for adults returning to their normal lives but let's just assume that the great majority of us have been waiting to go back to our lives and we will push for that and we will get back to that i already see the arguments beginning to keep kids in this holding pattern i see the conversation revolving around, okay, yes, maybe we can finally, finally open full-time school in places like New York City, where it hasn't been opened before. Um, And to do that, we're going to need to keep distancing kids and to keep them in masks. And that's in the fall. So I'm already predicting that even when the large majority of grown-ups go back to normal living, that kids won't be able to. And I think we need to fight that right now.
1: And what is the, the the disparities? I think this is fascinating because people th- there's this mindset that's that's taken over, Carol, for the whole pandemic yeah. for, with a mm-hmm. lot of people who act like these dictates, whether it's about how uh, wh- wh- what age limits there are for people that should wear masks or that uh, you know, six feet of social distancing. Well, now it's three in classrooms and all this stuff mm-hmm. it, people seem to think that these are. These are facts that you can't disagree with. And, and they've right. abandoned the notion that these are actually just guidelines that are yeah. highly imperfect and, and and variable.
2: Right. Well, my column, I had another column on Friday in the New York Post, which was the, the cover story. Open the schools now like enough. Um, and one of the things I said in there was, you know, um, the CDC guidelines, six feet, three feet. I mean, most schools across the country have opened without those guidelines they're just like, whatever, we're opening schools. They figured it out that that kids are mostly safe from COVID, safer than they are from the flu, let's say. And they've moved on. Um, It's only schools that have lived this to the letter that have not opened. And as I mentioned in the column, the CDC also doesn't think you should be eating ground meat um, unless it's cooked well done. And your steak has to be at least medium. So if you've ever enjoyed a medium rare burger, you know, you're in violation of the CDC. So I, we should treat what they say with, you know, um, some level of credulence. We should just move on from, uh, you know, the recommendations that they're giving and do what's best for ourselves.
1: We're speaking to Carol Markowitz. She's got a great piece up in the New York Post right now. Will COVID hysterics ever let our children lead normal lives? And you're mentioning the CDC guidance. I, I, I keep telling everybody about how there was this press release last week saying that, you know, it turns out that the studies done now show that fomites or, or surfaces are essentially negligible. I mean, right. you can never say zero, right, Carol? That's the problem. Yeah. If you said zero, then people would finally let it go. But, you know, mm-hmm. there's always this one in 10,000 is the actual number that they the, that the CDC is saying is right. your chance of getting COVID from touching a surface with COVID on it. So mm-hmm. clear. And, and this is amazing. I mean, New York City was shutting down the subway at night for deep cleaning classrooms across America have been closed for days, even weeks at a time. So they can just smother them in like Lysol and all this like cleaning solvent stuff, complete pandemic theater BS according to the CDC now. But when people like me were saying, guys, I really don't think that scrubbing down your groceries is going to save you from anything. It was, why don't you believe the science?
2: (laughs) Right. Well, I'm, it, it's interesting because I, I think that there are people who still won't believe it, who still will continue to clean their groceries, who will continue to wipe down the surfaces like, you know, crazy people. And I, I see that in the funding that is going to schools. I mean, some of that funding is going towards cleaning solutions and um, cleaning staff. And they're not moving on from this. They're not learning anything. They're pretending it's March 2020 and we haven't learned anything about the virus at all. Uh, and, and it's scary. It's scary to, to watch this unfold where people are just refusing to, you know, follow the science and to move on.
1: I, I noticed that in your piece you point out, I, I've been trying to get more people to pay attention to this, that YouTube removed a video of uh-huh. MDs, including people from places like Stanford University. Yeah, who were sitting down with Governor Ron DeSantis, who is the governor of a very large state that's been very successful in how mm-hmm. it has dealt with the COVID pandemic, Google pulled it. Uh, which you know, Google owns YouTube for everybody, obviously. Uh, Google pulled it as medical misinformation. I mean, this—I I don't like to say things that are—I I don't like to say things that are exaggerated to get attention or anything. But this is the health policy equivalent of of like Stalinism. This has gone to a whole other. These are this is lab coat tyranny now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And what the joke is that the World Health Organization basically says the same thing, that masking kids, uh, especially under six, is completely unnecessary. Uh, and most of Europe goes with 11 or 12 or an older uh U.S. is the only place that decided that two is where we're going to end up with that. So when you see these these um, clips from of toddlers being pulled off of airplanes because they couldn't wear their mask because like they kept taking it off because they're two, um, I think people should understand that this is only happening in the U.S. You should notice that all these flights are in America because they're the, uh, we're the only place that is doing this. Um, in Europe, to get on a flight, you have to be masked at six. So unless European kids just don't carry COVID in the same way that American kids do, you know, none of it makes any sense.
1: Are are kids all, do we know what the policies are? Uh, Oh, I I, I was going to ask you in New York, I know you're down in in Florida now, but because I I had a a UFC fighter clip, we played a, a clip of a UFC fighter who's saying that he sees kids in his home state who are outside, and this is in Arkansas, they're outside playing during school hours now, all masked up and teachers are running around saying, put your mask on, put your mask on. What is it going to take for people to? can can we just start with kids are very low risk getting or spreading the disease to begin with. When you add to that, that outdoor transmission is essentially theoretical. They, They really can't actually prove it has happened in any meaningful numbers anywhere in the world. But yet we're still like, People are masking up outside and I'm seeing this thing about, well, it's we're sending a good signal, even if it's not medically necessary, that that line of argument Terrible. is increasingly embraced. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, if someone told me that while I'm choking on my own, you know, sweat and this rag on my face on the treadmill, because I'm trying to get, you know, lose the pounds mm-hmm. I put on during covid because all the gyms were shut down. Right. I think I'd punch them in the face. But we, <laughs> we all have to sit yeah. around and listen to this idiocy.
2: Right. And it, it's so terrible because, again, kids shouldn't have been wearing masks all along. In the fall, my kindergartner, uh, who's four, and his after school, uh, from his class, you know, his class of 10 people, because it was a part time um, program in New York, um, about eight of them were in after school and they were masked outdoors and social distancing. And the, the after school teacher was diagnosed with COVID and these kids had to quarantine for two weeks despite the fact that they were outside and masked and social distance. So why are we doing it? Like, if, if it doesn't matter, then then why are we even taking any of these crazy precautions?
1: We, it, it seems to be, oh, yeah, that another part of this is that whenever they can try to make some case for more restriction, mm-hmm. it's, you know, listen to the data, listen to the numbers, shut up, do what you're told, even if it's a remote, even if it's a remote or, or very, you know, low probability situation. But then when we get more data that shows... Okay, guys, we we really there's really no reason for this whatsoever. It's like it doesn't matter. It's it's they're impervious to this. We cannot penetrate, you know, I mean, outdoor masking. I got fact checked by Facebook's biggest fact checker for saying outdoor masking mandates are unreasonable. And they always go that They give me some rinky dink, you know, MD who wants to be a guest on MSNBC as the expert or whatever. (laughs) There is no data whatsoever, anywhere that shows there's a reasonable risk of COVID outdoor transmission does not exist.
2: Right. And every time a doctor or scientist of any sort is asked about this, they always defer to, you know, well, better be safe than sorry. Well, I'm sorry. That's not enough for me. Wearing a mask outside is a big sign for me just being like, I'm stupid. I'm doing something stupid that makes no sense and that we all know it doesn't matter. Oh, it's degrading. It and I, mean, I
1: tell people that it's it's degrading. I actually use the term I think it's dehumanizing. It I think yeah. we see each other as vectors of this plague now all the time, even outdoors, because I, of this. I think this is the gateway drug to all the lockdown tyranny. I mean, I I I think masking is a vile stupidity and a religion that has been enforced on people now. And I make no I make no excuses for this. I I looked I mean, at all the data, I've looked at all the stuff that they've provided. It's bull. Yep.
2: And now that I'm vaccinated, that's it. I'm not wearing a mask outside. I'll, you know, continue to wear it in businesses while they require it. I hope that they don't require it for much longer, but I'm done. Uh, There's no more masking for me outside.
1: What does it take? I mean, I, I, for a while, Carol, I felt like, and we're speaking to Carol Markowitz. I'm getting so involved here. I want to tell you all who we're talking to. Uh, We're speaking (laughs) to Carol Markowitz, his columnist, the New York Post. Got a great piece up right now at NewYorkPost.com. Will COVID hysterics ever let our children live normal lives? And on this point about COVID hysterics, Carol, I... In the beginning, I knew and, and you know, I, I used to have conversations all the time on radio with Ann Coulter about this because she gives me credit for saying last June, I said, hey, everyone thinks that when Biden comes in, it's going to oh, we're going to, you know, release mm-hmm. things and it's all going to be fine because I was like, no, 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 they're going to double down on all this stuff. It's going to get even yeah. worse because the, the hysterics are now in charge and they want to prove to everybody you know, how they were right all along and how serious they are about this. So I knew that there would be this period of doubling down and double masking, right? Double down mm-hmm. on double masking is what, what I said it before. <laughs> uh-huh. and, and I predicted double masking about six months before it happened. I think I might even talk to you about it on the show, but I've definitely mm-hmm, said mm-hmm. it you know, previously on shows and written about it. And now I'm just wondering, I, I was willing to say it was tied into their anti-Trumpism, like the hysteria was tied into Trump. I'm really, really bothered by the fact, disconcerted, deeply unnerved, that Trump has been gone for a while now, and I, I feel like they're not budging still. Like this is this right. isn't really about Trump for the hysterics anymore in the way that I in the way that it used to be.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I fully did not think it was changing with Biden. Um, I saw that a lot of people had gotten too much power and they were enjoying it too much. I mean, you know, Dr. Fauci loves being on television. Is the cause of many of our problems because every time he's on TV, he says something totally different than the last time he was on TV. Um, and I, I see that they're so uh, in love with their power and their attention that they're getting that there, there's absolutely no way that they're going to relinquish that. And I also I also predicted that um, that no amount of Biden money was going to open the schools. Nothing. There's no amount of money that's going to change the, the, the union having such tight grip on the power. And that's what we have. He made mo- you know, money rain on schools. And yet schools across the country that were closed pretty much still remain closed.
1: It's remarkable, isn't it? Do you think there are going to be schools, before I let you go, Carol, do you think there are going to be mm-hmm. schools that are still not doing in-person learning this fall?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm deeply afraid that New York City is going to be among those schools. And if they are, we, our family is permanently moving out of New York. We're, I'm on the record.
0: We're out of there. That's it.
1: Uh, I, I, I not only I say I can't blame you, I, I, I've I, got family members who have already followed you down there. And I, yeah. know, I, don't, I don't know how long I am for the big apple if this craziness continues, honestly. But hopefully, right. we'll, we'll get to better times. Carol Markwitz, everybody, NewYorkPost.com so for her latest. Carol, always appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Buck. Before we heard from Governor Ron DeSantis, and I, I point to him as a Republican who gets it, who understands this moment and, and why it's so important that we continue to to hold, hold the line against the lunatic left in every, in every way that we can. That's one example. We've had recently the fall from grace of both Governors Nome and Asa Hutchinson. Hutchinson, I'm, I'm amazed. I didn't really know much about this guy before, I'll just tell you. I didn't see, I, I'd heard his name, I knew he was the governor of Arkansas, but I, I didn't really have much of an opinion about the guy. There's so many politicians in America, whatever. All I can see is this guy just is like obtuse, I mean, I am waiting for him to start appearing on, you know, Lincoln Project fundraising material or something. But this guy's this guy's bad news. He went on Fox. He's still trying to justify. Oh, sorry, not Fox. This was on um, NBC with Chuck Todd. Why? Why is Chuck Todd a thing? Does anyone ever? You know, why is he a media thing? Does anyone ever ask that question? This guy is boring dogmatic, liberal, not good on television. The whole thing is, but he's friends with the right corporate execs at the legacy institution. That's all that it takes. Anyway, here's Asa Hutchinson. Play clip three. Look, you've got quite a few, and your state legislature is not the only one like this, but you've got quite a few of what I think would be described as Um, loosely culture war bills or what I'm going to describe as culture war bills a bill that got withdrawn but wanted to ban anything that had to do with the 1619 project you couldn't teach it in schools or another one that would have banned school tied school funding in case you did this stuff and I'm just curious why do you think there is so much focus among some members of the legislature on, on issues that You tell me, is this really bubbling up in Arkansas schools? Uh, Well, it's
6: not, but the fear is about the future, and the fear is also that we're losing our culture. And the case I make, though, is that uh, just
3: because uh, you want to uh, uh, keep things as uh, they have been,
1: perhaps, uh, you don't need to use the instrument of the law. You don't need to use the state to accomplish that purpose in every instance. Uh, There is the church. There is society. Society, there is your community, and that's where the culture is is
4: impacted or reflected in the future. And so, again, uh, there's too
1: much. Uh, as a Republican Party, it's mm-hmm. the principles of limited government and it's pushing
6: freedom and choice uh, in uh, the free market. Uh, that's what the party is about. Uh, we've got to apply those principles even right. when it comes
1: to the social war. Okay, so, uh, so is, it, is it free market and freedom-based for uh, 10-year-olds to undergo life-altering and maybe life-destroying gender transition pharmaceuticals and surgery? Is, is that... What about 8-year-olds? How about 6-year-olds? I mean, you, you can't legally drink a beer in the state of Arkansas until you're 21, but you can take puberty blockers, you can take hormone-blocking drugs given to chemically castrate sex offenders by the way and and Asa Hutchinson wants to wants to act like he's you know Milton Friedman and Friedrich Hayek rolled into one here or something oh it's about freedom and it's about the, you know free to choose and the freedom to choose and th- the, these republicans you have to find them everywhere don't use the instrument of the law to, um, the, the other side is trying to crush and destroy conservatism and with it the constitution and they're using and abusing institutions and the law itself to do it if we allow them to. But Asa Hutchinson seems to be advocating for unilateral surrender, unilateral disarmament against the lunatic left. This is this is disastrous. This is what he is doing. This is his goal. This is the, the idea that you get from from Republicans who want to be corporate friendly, who want to be treated well on NBC. You know, right now, if you're a Republican elected office and you don't see yourself as in a fight for fundamental truth and freedom in America, get another job. That's where we are, and that's where everybody who's representing conservatism and the Republican Party needs to be. For roll call. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton or Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com if you want to be a part of this uh, this crazy action of the uh, Buck Sexton show. You know, it's, it's where all the good stuff is happening, folks. Uh, we also check in with our buddy, the man behind the scenes. But now he's the man on the air with me, producer Mark. Buddy, how was your weekend? Tell us some things.
7: It was good. You know, relaxing. I went to brunch with some friends, so that was fun.
1: All right, let's talk about brunch for a second. Sure. What is the what is your ultimate brunch order? Like, if you can have anything that you want for brunch, what is it?
7: Well, it's hard because many brunch places have different menus. But I guess a common one uh, I didn't have this weekend, but the common one is chicken and waffles which Ooh. made correctly, fantastic.
1: Yeah, there is one place that I know of in New York City where I can actually get gluten-free wow. fried chicken and waffles. And it is, it is quite delicious, I will say that. And the only problem is, though, that the, it's delicious enough on its own, but then, you know, you, you start throwing some butter and some syrup on there, and then it's really a party.
7: Oh, yeah, you're going for delicious. Your health goes out the window when you're out of brunch.
1: Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I would say I'm a... I'm an Eggs Benedict guy, man, but I actually, if I can, I get my Eggs Benedict. This is this is some frou-frou bougie nonsense, but I'll get my Eggs Benedict with some crab meat. Uh, smoked salmon also sometimes I like, um, but I'm not a big Canadian bacon fan. I will say that. So I'd rather have, I, I think it's uh, Chesapeake style is what they call it, uh, you know, Eggs Chesapeake or Chesapeake style Eggs Benedict, where you get the, uh, the poached eggs. See, this is the part of the show where Buck and Mark talk about food because we're hungry. You get the poached egg on obviously for me gluten-free bread with the uh, hollandaise drizzled on top and then you throw some lump crab meat in there and it's just that's just game that's just game on for me man that gets oh. me very excited the, so
7: they'll make a Benedict with anything on it nowadays. I've seen fried chicken, I've seen pulled pork. I'm a big Benedict guy as well That's a, a good
1: brunch day yeah the the, uh, the eggs Benedict is very versatile as you, as you point out there's a lot of things. You know, you throw some pork belly in your eggs Benedict, and now, oh, now you're really at the at the next level. Yeah, pork belly on pretty much anything. I'm usually game for. Uh, I do think that of I don't know. I go back and forth between the absolute most delicious meat. Is it is it you know cow meat or or pig meat? But they're both really good, and I'm getting really hungry even just thinking about this. Any new shows or any uh, any entertainment options that you've checked out that you would recommend for the folks?
7: No, pretty much the same ones every week. Now that uh, the spring TV's back, it's just whatever the w- wife wants to watch.
1: Oh, nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, I went to visit the folks, so I saw Tallulah the French Bulldog, uh, who was being very cute over the weekend. She's great, and uh, I I saw my sister, my mom, my dad, and uh, the Snow Princess and I. We went out to dinner on Saturday. Uh, you know, we we uh, snow press Snow Princess got an exciting new job. Uh, she's in in business school, but she got a a job as well. So we're we celebrating that. And we went out to a restaurant, but you know they they chase you out of restaurants at eleven o'clock. We had kind of a late reservation, you know nine o'clock. They chase you out at eleven, like for COVID. I'm saying not because they want to close. It's like okay, guys, everyone out. <laughs> You're like, wait, what?
7: I thought they finally got rid of that.
1: No, they they they, they got in r- Manhattan. I I think in Manhattan they extend it was ten, now it's eleven, but yeah they straight up uh, ch- chase us out of there and and uh, I was going to tell you it was an Italian restaurant kind of by a famous Italian uh, or, or famous celebrity chef guy, overpriced, loud, bad music, not a good experience. Not a good experience from that perspective. The food was pretty good. I mean Italian food, you know, but for the price, ooh. For the price, it was uh, well, it was. Now Mario. I kind
7: of want to know what famous chef it was.
1: Mario Batali. Really? Yeah, huh. it was a Batali place. It was bad. I mean, when I say it was bad, it's all relative, right? Like it was a nice place, nice food. It's no person that I had a, had, a, had a good dinner, but for the price and what you're expecting, I mean, this was it's, it's Batali's flag, uh, flagship uh, restaurant in New York, and it, it was subpar, man. Music was, they're blasting Led Zeppelin. I'm like, this is an Italian restaurant. You're blasting Zeppelin? Like, what are you doing?
7: You want to hear, like, classic Italian music at a classic restaurant. Or just something
1: that's, like, relaxing in the back. Like, I don't, I'm not somebody who even really cares about the music in a restaurant. It just can't be, it can't be uh, aggressive and and upsetting, you know. It can't be, like, a detraction, a detracting from the experience. So, anyway, I I, I found it very... uh, that was, that was a little frustrating. But anyway, we had a nice weekend. Other than that, I, I did a lot of work, actually, producing Mark. You know what I do on the weekends? I do research. I read books and take notes. Yeah. And Mark can actually attest to this and send like stories and clips for the Monday show, Saturday at 1 a.m., Sunday at 2 p.m., Sunday at 8 p.m. So,
7: One day I'm just going to reply, get a hobby.
1: Yeah, no, that's it's a true. Of them, yeah. I, I sometimes I send Mark things. I'm like, I hope he doesn't check the timestamp because apparently I'm sending him uh, a story we have to talk about on radio at, at 3 a.m. on a Saturday. Oh,
7: know? yeah. <laughs> I, I notice. Definitely <laughs> is,
1: notice. Yeah. I always tell him he doesn't have to respond until until Monday morning, but I do send him stuff at, at uh, you know. Oh, yeah. That, I never that, respond
7: his, on the weekend unless it's, like, urgent. But yeah, I see but his them.
1: his email box has a, a lot of, uh, I think Rumsfeld called them snowflakes when he was Secretary of Defense because they would just drop, you know, just drop out of the sky. He would send, like, memos, like, two-line or one-line memos about something he wanted done or whatever. So it's my ver- my version of the Rumsfeldian snowflake. All right. Let's actually hear from the folks. Um, Bucksexton.com. Check out my editorial today, please. And uh, on COVID and how the, the uh, surface cleaning is absurd. And let's get to Joe, I believe, is how we would say this. I'm not sure I'm saying the name cor- correctly, but Joe writes today. Biden said that no amendment is absolute. That means our rights are not absolute. Not nearly enough people are even considering the implications of that statement. Let's make it about something other than speech or guns to contextualize the situation. The Fifth Amendment allows us due process and prevents a person from serving as a witness against oneself. So according to Joe, again, the president and appointed defender of the United States Constitution, our right to receive a trial is not guaranteed. It's negotiable and subject to the whims of the state. You want a lawyer if you're ever arrested or accused of a crime? LOL, too bad, bro. Your rights are not absolute. You opt to not speak in case you accidentally incriminate yourself, you know, because you're not a lawyer? LOL, sorry we're forcing you to. Need people to climb out of the Grubhub-laden Netflix-addled stupor and think. Well, uh, Joe, it's spelled J-E-A-U-X for those who are wondering. It's not like I'm saying J-O-E in a super fancy way, but uh, Joe, uh, I, I agree with you that people need to they need to climb out of the Grubhub Netflix stupor and think about what's going on in this country in really critical ways that they have not been doing. Um, I, I agree that that's a major challenge right now. Vincent uh, writes, Hi, Team Buck. Love the show. Love your take on things and love, love, love your impressions. They are the best. Thank you, Vincent. Trump should be the candidate unless he decides not to. He should get his second term. DeSantis should not run for president unless there is a solid, solid candidate to replace him for governor. If the wrong person gets in as governor of Florida, we could lose Florida at the state level. We need strong people at all levels, local, state and federal. What do you think? Keep the fight going. Vincent, uh, I think I think that DeSantis it's more important for the country that we have him as as the president than, than Florida has him as the governor. But I know all my all my friends and I have. I think Florida is probably the state where I have the most friends after New York. Uh, well, it's between New York, Florida. Well, it's between Florida and California, I think, actually, uh, as much as I love Texas. I don't know personally as many Texans as I know Floridians and Californians uh, closely, at least uh, as for. Yeah, the Floridians, they don't want to lose Governor DeSantis. I, I know that. They're a little possessive of their governor. Texans are kind of like, oh, no, you can take Governor Abbott. That's OK. They're, they're way more. They're they're like, yeah, Governor Abbott, you could probably get a better. You know, there there's other folks that might be in the mix there. But uh, Floridians definitely want they want to hold on to their DeSantis. But Floridians, you may have to loosen that grip a little bit and give us uh, give us DeSantis for the benefit of the nation. And as for Trump running again. uh you know, you got to you think of Trump's age, he'll be getting close to 80 if he runs again. And friends, you know, a, a new narrative based on based on the principles of MAGA, a new candidate pushing those principles, I think, is is and also a guy who's just younger, more vitality, although Trump had a lot of energy. I know people would they that criticism, but I'm, it's four years from now, a lot can change in four years. Um you know, and trump go he would go into real he would go into that election battle as the guy who lost the last election, whatever you think of the fairness or not of the election doesn't matter. He goes into it as the guy who lost the last election ah that's that's a tough one against an incumbent president with the entire media in his pocket and you know that's so I don't know, but we're when we're when we're looking at four years out. I'm the first one to admit it. Who knows? No idea what the state of the economy will be. No idea, you know, God forbid we get dragged into some foolish war somewhere or something. I mean, a lot can change between now and then. So we'll have to see. All right. Next up here, Matt writes, Matt from Virginia here. Great show, boys. I listen to the show every night on my trip home. And what I miss, I catch on the podcast. First saw you on Red Eye with Greg Gutfeld. I missed that show. Also, I'm a big Jack Burton fan. Matt, you sound like we're we're best buddies. Thank you for challenging the phrase unfunded tax cuts. It drives me crazy every time I hear it. I heard it first from Chuck Schumer when he uttered that phrase. I then realized that although we may get a tax cut, Congress does not change spending habits to fund the cut. They do the opposite. They borrow money to fund the cut and keep the spending levels the same. We definitely have a spending problem. Thanks, gents. Keep up the good work. Lorraine. Quick question. Well, thank... Wait. Oh, no. Lorraine's the next one. Well, Matt, thank you so much, buddy. I really appreciate that, and you got great taste. You like Red Eye, you like Jack Burton, and you like Buck Sexton. So that means you're a man who knows what's up. And I agree. Obviously, I agree with you on the unfunded tax cuts thing. That's why I talk about it. I think it's nuts. I think people that are pushing this stuff are nuts. And uh, we're going to have to spend a lot of time got to get ready for this we're going to spend a lot of time trying to uh, fight against the way the left abuses language for their purposes how they will say you know they're seeing this with infrastructure even just change the definition of words and you change the debate and you you win the argument that's what they're trying to do that's a, a central part of all of this so uh matthew we got to keep an eye on that continuing in with roll call remember if you want to give us your thoughts so easy just go on facebook right at facebook.com slash buck sexton and please remember you can always listen to the podcast at buck uh make it happen lorraine writes quick question could the executive order uh about ghost guns be part of the long game of making the purchase of firearms impossible for citizens I'm a member of the OSS original Saturday squad. Very pleased to see you being so successful. You are making a difference and your voice is important. Lorraine, thank you so much. It's been quite a journey here now. Buck Saxton show going on. It will be 10 years. Well, I guess it'll it'll be nine years this. Well, no, no, now it's already it's nine years. We've been on the air. I've been on the air doing this radio show. The Buck Saxton show for nine years um now that i've actually wait no that's not right 10 years if i started oh no no i started in 2012 i started in 2012 i think that's right so uh, so it's been 9 years and it's amazing about people that are with me so when we say original saturday squad for anyone who's wondering i started doing radio 3 hours a day saturday 12 to 3 and it was on a it was on the blaze.com radio stream it was not on any terrestrial station, but thankfully, because of social media and because of podcasting, I was actually able to build a a substantial audience on that Saturday show. And then they moved me to Monday through Friday on the Blaze Radio Network. And that became a a major, I mean, that stream we had was bigger than... All, but I don't want to say exactly, but I think it was bigger at one point in terms of listenership than all the, but like the 10 biggest radio stations in the country for for conservative talk. I mean, it got to be a really big stream and uh, we, I would do that show and that's how we built, that's how we built this. So I started, you know, some people that come in, they're on a radio station, there's listeners already. I started from zero. I started from a, a digital radio stream telling people online, Hey, come listen to me do a show. You Know so anyway. Uh, let's see what we got here. Jeremiah Book Grandpa Joe listed a bunch of infrastructure items that he wants to rebuild, and all of them have one thing in common they all u- utilize smelted metals, steel, aluminum, etc., in some manner. So too do windmills, solar panels, wire, transmission towers, cables, batteries, trains, railroads, tracks, uh, railroad tracks, rather, cell phones, computers. How do you generate the heat needed to make these products? Fossil fuels. The left doesn't even realize that by getting rid of fossil fuels, they will, in effect, be getting rid of everything they want to replace fossil fuels with. Thanks, Buck. Love the show. Thank you, Jeremiah. Yeah, I always tell people, and I I think it surprises a lot of folks when they hear this the first time, 50% of fossil fuels go into, the the usage of 50% of fossil fuels goes into the making of products. Not actually gasoline in cars or trucks. You know, not, not fuel in that, in that respect. The making of products. Stuff. Making things. I mean, once you start to look at that and, and understand what those implications are, you have a much better chance of really knowing what's going on with this Green New Deal nonsense and all the rest of it. Aaron, I love your Fauci, Cuomo, and Hillary voices. Hello? You and producer Mark have me actually laughing out loud up here in Alaska while driving around in my truck. Keep up the good work. My question is this, who do we support? With all the big box companies dealing behind the scenes, uh, dealings behind the scenes, it's hard to keep straight who has upright morals or at least a conservative stance that aligns with our values. Yeah, we're all consumers and this need commodities and need commodities around the house. I agree that 100% we need to hit them where it counts. The problem is besides my pillow and the other companies you endorse, we aren't aware of if a company is lining the pockets uh, of the bad folks or not? Is there a conservative value list of companies we need so we can keep going at this or at the very least who we should avoid? I'm not quite at the point of getting rid of Disney for the kiddos, but would like to make smart choices where I can. Uh, Aaron, a great question. Thank you so much for listening to us as you drive around Alaska. Really appreciate it, my man. and and I would say this um, I've been thinking about the same thing because I for example, sneakers. I can't think of a sneaker company. I can get my sneak I need to get a new pair of sneakers. I can't think of one that is, uh, you know, I, 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 I cannot think of one that is anti-woke, for example. But as, I, as you mentioned, I mean, yeah, we, we, a good start is right here on this show. My pillow, Black Rifle Coffee, ExpressVPN, you can go down the list, all these different sponsors that I have. They are companies that are supporting free speech and conservative values just by being affiliated with this show. So please support them and support us. Thanks everybody for listening. Shields high.